What's up, beautiful melanated beings? But my royal beings. We're finally so back. <laughs> I was gonna say, so it's been a long, long time since we've seen you niggas. Very long time. <laughs> but we're back to do this shit again. You know, we're gonna be more consistent. Oh, yes, we is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was in response to you saying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do way better this time around. But um, <laughs> Can we just acknowledge that mental health is a real thing, okay? Right. right. And, uh, we just, and that's we what really happened. Fell off the wagon. Mental health and unaccountability. <laughs> Poor said, honestly, and it's sad because it's mental health, but it's not, <laughs> we weren't accountable for each other's mental health. Um, but we're back, you know? We're getting it together. That one's really loud. Um, anyways. We are back like four flats on a Cadillac. So since it's the end of Taurus season and the beginning or coming up the Gemini season period, we thought that we would introduce a new segment for this season, which is true crime. One of our passions, because we're always watching or listening or researching something about true crime all the time it's ridiculous but especially the girl title because all i do is sit and listen to podcasts on serial killers and cults she really does it's hilarious but yeah so we're introducing this new segment and today we're going to be talking about serial killers specifically one of the most prolific serial killers in the united states i believe yeah the united states yeah well like I said since this is usually my area of expertise I'll go ahead and um let's pop this pill and get it started (laughs) so we're about to sound real professional real quick warning this episode contains a brief description and mention of sexual assault and death that listeners may find offensive listener discretion is advised all righty so this month's true crime segment is on a serial killer uh, by the name of Samuel Little. Um, he, like she said, is considered to be the most prolific serial killer in American history by the Federal Bureau of Investigations, otherwise known as the FBI. And unfortunately, y'all, the only reason why we would really just kind of include this is because it's, um, he black. <laughs> a black man. Yeah. It's, a, it's a black man. But I will have to add a little tidbit in here, even though I know you're not supposed to. Um, it's not as uncommon to have black serial killers. The thing is, when people kill, they kill typically within their race. People don't care about black people dying. Nope. They don't care about black women dying. At all. Um, so they don't care about black children disappearing um, until it becomes an egregious amount. And by that point, nigga might be dead. So with that being said, I think there's some weird movement. Can you hear that? No. Okay, good. I'm sorry. So with that being said, please keep that in mind when we do discuss true crime and we discuss Black people, because it's not that Black people don't actually commit these crimes. It's that they're underreported and they don't care about us. It's that simple. All right. It's really that simple. (laughs) So we're going to start by kind of talking about his family history. Um, I already provided some commentary just for some background, but we will be doing some commentary between the two of us back and forth um, just because that's what we do. Um, and because of this, and because it's such a long um, informational piece, um, we will not be doing a mental health segment, specifically me, will not be doing a mental health segment, but I will make a small mental health reminder at the end, because when we do true crime podcasts, um, or you listen to true crime podcasts, it's, um, it's it can be heavy, so it is important to go back and do some self-care. So let's get this started. So let's start at the very beginning with this nigga, okay? So... Samuel Little was born on June 7th of Gemini's, June Gemini's to be exact, in Reynolds, Georgia, to a mother he claimed was a prostitute. He always used to call her a lady of the night, which was kind of odd to always refer to your mother as, regardless if that was her profession, but 
So soon after his birth, Little's family moved to Lorain, Ohio, where he was brought up mainly by his grandmother. So he attended Hawthorne Junior High School, where he had problems with discipline and achievement, you know, kind of the usual thing in middle school. But in 1956, after being convicted of breaking and entering into a property in Omaha, Nebraska, he was held in an institution for juvenile offenders, and I believe until he was 18. So he moved to Florida to live with his mother in his late 20s. And he was working at various times at a cemetery, as a cemetery worker and an ambulance attendant, according to himself. And he said that he began traveling more widely and had more run-ins with the law. So he was always getting arrested. He was arrested in eight states for crimes that included, he was driving under influence, fraud, shoplifting, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and rape. So this dude obviously has a history of not knowing how to damn act. Power. But... Uh, Which he, is also not uncommon in serial killers. Exactly. A lot of them do have a history of behaviors. Only difference is him being Black, his record in his rap sheet is going to be much longer. And it's going to be more recorded. Ones. But anywho. And so he right. also claimed that he took up boxing during his stints in prison and referred to himself as a former prize fighter. And as you, as we go along talking about it, and we'll keep on saying like by his accounts, it's because there's not a lot of record of his personal life other than the fact that he had a personal life. This is true. So um, it's also just going on his word. <laughs> right. I was going to say, and it's also kind of important to note too, that like, um, not unlike other serial killers that people are like, that are well known. Um, it is important to take uh, some of the things that he says with a grain of salt because a lot of these guys are narcissistic and so they like to inflate things. They like to make their um, reality <laughs> way more than it actually is right. sometimes. Um, and you'll see what I mean when we go further because um, Little confessed to 93 murders. Um, and that's wild. Um, if anybody's ever heard of Henry Lee Lucas, he is a confession killer. And this is a guy that uh, like only killed maybe like two people, I believe two or three people actually proven, but confessed to so many crimes and open cases throughout other states. Um, and there's really Wasting no reason. Time. Basically, I was gonna say, and there's really no big reason why he did it other than he liked the notoriety and um, kind of the infamy that comes with it. However, that being said, I would also want to take part of this with a grain of salt because the FBI finds these to be credible. Um, we all know the government feels about Black people. So there's that. So that also it's has to be taken with a grain of salt. It is very iffy. But law enforcement has also been able to verify 50 confessions. Um, and there are plenty more that have a pending final confirmation. And the reason why some of this is actually really credible is because I mean, I'll say it later on again, but it is because um, Samuel liked to draw and was a lot of his artwork were his victims. Um, so that is actually why it is really credible because a lot of his drawings have actually helped people to identify these missing victims. Um, you will see here that his victims are marginalized. Um, CC will go more into depth about that. But yeah, so um, he himself said that he strangled 93 victims between 1970 and 2005. Five. Um, 2005. So, what is that? Um, 32 years? That's ridiculous. Yeah, 32-year killing spree, something like that. So many of his victims' deaths were originally ruled as overdoses or attributed to accidental or undetermined causes, and some of the bodies were never found. So the reason why we'll go into his modus operandi and I'm going to go ahead and let CC follow through as far as victims. And so obviously many of his victims deaths weren't taken seriously because he would be strategic on who he chose to murder. So most of the time they were marginalized and vulnerable like prostitutes, women addicted, addicted to drugs, and of course women of minority, mostly black women. See where we're going with this. So mostly they it were black and Hispanic. Primarily. So obviously primarily black. We know this country does not care about black or Hispanic people at all. So of course, most of his victims weren't considered homicidal victims because they just chopped it off to, oh, they died because they were prostitutes, black, Mexican, or addicted to drugs. And so 
Their bodies, if they were found, were usually unidentified and their murders weren't taken seriously. They weren't really investigated. It was one of those like just quick close cases. And <clears throat> so Little's method of killing was usually strangulation. So he didn't always leave reliable signs for local police to determine whether the woman's death was a homicide as well. So the FBI said he usually stunned or knocked them out um, before strangling them. And then, so there's no signs of struggle. The only signs would be like fingerprints on the neck, which isn't the first thing you really think of taking when you're examining a body. So that's usually how he got away with it. So specifically, he would lure the woman by stating that he was an artist of some sort and that he loved them. He would take them to an alley in order to receive sexual services, usually hid, and then stun the victims. So because killing was synonymous with sex for him, Little had made the encounters like as long as slow as possible. So he drew them out. It was ridiculous. And he often let his victims repeatedly regain consciousness while he masturbated during the process. He needed to prolong the murders and his need to prolong the murders stemmed from a need to control women and possess them both in life and death. And so following the murders, he would often dispose of the bodies in canals, nature, or other places that would be hard to find the bodies until months later when the bodies would be decomposed. So I find this to be very interesting because I don't know, and we don't know even by his own account, if he kept trophies. And a lot of serial killers do keep trophies. Trophies are considered things that they will take from the victim um, to keep so that when they have it and they look at it, it will remind them of the murder. And usually it is for sexual gratification. Um, I say that, but he also has drawings. So I'm actually pretty sure that his right. own tokens were his drawings. Um, did I call them tokens? Trophies. <laughs> but I guess for him it would be a token because he didn't really take it from the victim. He just drew the victim. Um, and that helps to, you know, with his memory. Um, he wanted that to is what I'm them. really thinking. But he, let's just be real here. A thick Um, But it's, it's really interesting that he chose strangulation as his method of choice. I will say that other killers that like strangulation, they like to see the life of a person go out of their eyes. Um, and they actually love having that control, which is what CC was talking about, having the control over life and death. So being able to feel physically somebody's last breath being taken as you're choking them, um, it's sexually gratifying for them. Um, the entire process of him bringing them back to life, so to speak, in order to literally have control over their entire body is wild, but it literally is how he's wired. Um, in an interview, it was talked about how um, one of the female interviewers wanted to know um, why it was that he did the way that he did. And he was like, well, it's for full control. But at the same time, you killed them. So you can't really explain because you don't have full control anymore once they die. And his literal response, well, you got me there. But his eyes lit up like fucking Christmas when he talked about these crimes. It's, it's yeah it's not one of those like remorseful <laughs> it's not one of those oh i'm trying to like stay calm for the camera he showed yeah. his excitement like literal true that he enjoyed it to the point where he's like oh you want a drawing of the victim let me make another one literally true antisocial personality disorder like, like this man was insane this not gonna lie he could be a poster child if we wanted him to be honestly in fucking insane but it is interesting because we couldn't even figure out if the McDonald triad actually really applies in this in this case, which um, the McDonald triad is known as the homicidal triad, which would be um, indicators of potential um, criminology, criminality. Um, it's usually fire setting, bedwetting, and um, harm to animals. So we don't really have much back ground information on him like we would on any other fucking serial killer but you know that's me to hear about there all right <laughs> so uh, moving forward he was arrested on september 5th 2012 at a homeless shelter in 2012 Louisville. i need y'all to get these these dates together okay 2012 2012 well, we were in high school he got arrested right for one he got arrested on a narcotics charge they found him on a narcotics charge and then extradited him 
to California. Then all of a sudden, his DNA just fits like three crimes. It does. And it was used to establish, and it doesn't necessarily say that it proved that he killed him, more so that he was involved. But of course, he confessed to these murders uh, later on. Um, but at the time being, there's way too much evidence to say that he wasn't the killer. Um, so these three women, um, it was used to, I'm sorry, <laughs> these three women, Carol Eileen Elford, um, first killed July 13th, 1987, Guadalupe Duarte Apodaca, um, killed on September 3rd, 1987. Notice here the amount of time in between these kills. Right. Um, this was what, not even a full two months. Um, so here you can see that this guy is escalating at this point, but um, apparently he did get into a little bit of trouble in, in the meantime. So his next kill um, that he was uh, like indicted for was um, Audrey Nelson Everett and she was killed August 14th, 1989, which was two years later. This is just LA. Yes, <laughs> this is just LA. So all of these women were killed and later found on the streets of Los Angeles. So once being extradited specifically to Los Angeles, um, he was officially charged January 17th. I'm sorry, that's my birthday. January 7th, <laughs> 2013. That was junior year. That was a year before we graduated high school. That was junior year of high school. This nigga been out for the longest just so a few months later the police said that little was being investigated for involvement in three dozen murders committed in the 1980s which until then had been undisclosed um mainly because you know of these women being prostitutes um known drug addicts on the street so they're not really going to think twice about somebody dying of asphyxiation because if you're doing drugs like that's, that's an easy side effect it's a side, yeah. Like, unfortunately, death by asphyxiation is a common side effect of a lot of drug users. Um, if you're a prostitute, it's not uncommon for you to get abused by a trick. Um, so, or a client. even finding <laughs> that's what I mean by a trick. Um, trick is your client, pimp is your, you know, your pimp. Um, so, it's not uncommon for you to get strangled by either one of them um, and abused. So, to find fingerprints on the body or to even find semen matches inside of the body, like there's not really enough concrete evidence to be able to prove without somebody confessing um, and having maybe more things left at the scene um, to tell whether or not this person committed said crime. Um, so yeah, um, and then all of these were in connection in Mississippi. Um, and in total, little Mississippi and various places throughout the state. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just say that. But Mississippi was important because the LaPree murder case was reopened, which I'm not really going to go into depth about that. But if you want to know more, um, you should really check out Parcast um, Network's podcast, um, Serial Killers. They have a two-part episode series on it, and it's really good and really, really in-depth. We're just kind of scratching the surface here. Um, but yeah, so in total, little was tested for involvement in 93 murders of a women committed in multiple U.S. states. Um, in 2014, September of 2014, he was tried for the three murders he was extradited for. Um, DNA evidence was presented as well as testimonies of witnesses who were attacked by the accused at different times throughout his criminal career. They had dig deep on these, um, these victims. I ain't gonna lie to you. Because not a lot of people, not a lot of prostitutes are willing to talk to police and they're willing to believe that police actually care about them enough to, to think about their Most of the time, they do not. This is very true. Um, it's very rare still to this day to find somebody who is sympathetic and understanding that they are women and human beings. And just because they decide they want to sell their own body um, or just because they got caught up in a situation that they couldn't get themselves out of and they have no other choice, um, they still deserve justice just like the rest of us. So I think that's really important to note here too. And I feel like this is an important takeaway for the rest of y'all. Like everybody's life matters. Um, but in this specific instance, this is one of the biggest Black Lives Matter moments I feel like I could have because the women 
that were murdered were 95% black. 95 of, 95% of them were black. So it's the fact that these women went missing. These women had families. They had people that cared about them, but the people that cared about them were black. Law enforcement didn't care. So who cares? And little knew because these were these victims, not only were they black women, but they were also prostitutes, drug dealers, drug addicts. No one cares about them. Let's be real. Society doesn't care about them. So the fact that he found easy targets, which a lot of serial killers do target prostitutes because they are easy prey. Um, I hate to say that. Ladies, if you're out there, please protect yourself. Please protect yourself because you are really the most vulnerable class when it comes to sexual assault and murder. Um, Because he knew these victims were so marginalized, it was easy for him to get away with this shit up until 2014. And he's black, so he knows that the, like, he knows firsthand the country doesn't care about him. So why would they care about black women? And then his mom was a prostitute. If we wanted to go further into this, that may also of, be another reason why psychology he, into this man. I was going to say, if you really want to go into this, this is probably a reason why his victimology was the way that it was. Um, it could be an instance of neglect. Again, we don't really know a lot about his childhood, but if he was neglected by his mother who was always on the street trying to make ends meet, nine times out of 10, he is reliving that murder. I mean, I'm sorry. He's reliving that experience through murdering prostitutes. Um, granted, this is all speculation and psychological right. theory here, but at the same time, it is very likely <laughs> and pretty credible. Um, and we'll never know because he's dead now. Which we'll um, get into. <laughs> you know, bitch ass, but whatever. <laughs> so yeah um on september 25th 2014 he was found guilty sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole and on the day of his verdict he continued to insist that he was innocent um a little tidbit here that like he was serving his sentence at california state prison in los angeles county um and this he was here up until right before his death um so eventually in 2018 cc what year is it 2021 all right cool so three years ago he finally confessed to the murders um and this is when he was interviewed by texas ranger james holland holland was investigating an unsolved homicide in odessa texas at the time and he shared um little shared details of the killings because he wanted to move prison and decided to offer this information as a deal with the police um nobody knows why he went to prison transfer or if they actually agreed to make said deal um or if he even shared information separate from any other agreement with law enforcement they just know that he made these confessions in these confessions he drew portraits of many women he killed um they were released by the fbi in hopes of identifying these women um and at least one uh solved a cold case in akron ohio and as of november of last year um, Little confessed to two Florida murders, for one of which another man was wrongly, like, wrongfully convicted. Surprise! Surprise! Let's just talk about the fact that this was last year. Last year, a couple months ago. <laughs> also, and let's go back to him just starting to randomly confess after so many years to a Texas Ranger. This man, for some reason, had so much like nice rapport with this texas ranger the texas ranger even said he has no idea why this man liked him they used to refer to each other as like nicknames he used to stop stay and talk to this texas ranger for hours just spilling all of his business like his past life explaining him having a social life in between his arrests in between these murders and just by his account just telling all of his life story to this texas ranger this he had no idea why little liked him or felt comfortable with him or anything of that nature even little wasn't sure why he was comfortable and he never explained why he was comfortable either but for some reason this one texas man got little to open and sing like a canary I find it really interesting because there obviously was something about this man that he really felt like he could trust him with this information. Um, Even so much to the point where like he wanted to be moved to another prison and 
if from most accounts it doesn't look like it happened um right but he still continued to talk and so i find that to be really really interesting because the kind of rapport that you have to build with a serial killer for them to trust that's you that's what i'm saying is like very important um because in order for them to fully trust you to be able to tell their story it it tells a lot about that person that they're talking to um whether that be that they feel like they can be manipulated or the fact that they finally found somebody who is actually honest a lot of times people will say things to get them to talk and to convince them but they're not honest so for instance Ted Bundy never actually confessed himself that he did the murders until the very end but the reason why he did it was because the man who interviewed him was incredibly honest with him about how he felt about him I feel like you should die I feel like you should be under the jail but I'm still going to treat you like a human being because that's what you are Bundy respected that shit and that's why we have the confession tapes. That's why we have him talking in third person in the beginning and then him finally saying, I did it right before his death, that he did it, even though he's whispering in the tapes because he doesn't fucking know. But he did it. That's amazing. The psychology behind it is absolutely like fucking fantastic, personally for me. But that's neither here nor there. I'm sorry. That man is crazy but i got um, excited <laughs> this is literally my area of expertise for a reason literally just i hope that texas rangers okay because so, the things he had to hear i'm sure that he didn't even record no i think record. everything was really like written down i think he did actually record it because the fbi does have some videos True. and recordings you have a point. if you go on the website and we'll post that link in the um let me rephrase the description that. bar the things but, that they ain't they ain't put out I yeah I was that gonna man's say, mental state is okay like, like honestly <laughs> i feel like the things that they didn't put out and also it's i feel like it's different when you're in the room with that person right. and you can literally hear from their own mouth that they did this and they reveled in it and they enjoyed it. What? Absolutely fucking mad. I just really hope that man is okay. Um, can y'all believe I wanted to do this? Not even wanted. Can y'all believe I want to do that shit for a living? No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I'd rather just play their wives or something. But that's, that's the point. I'm not normal. So another interesting fact about Mr. Little is the fact that he still maintained a personal life, like I was saying earlier throughout his entire killing spree but it really isn't uncommon if you really think about it think about all of the serial killers ted bundy for for example since we were just talking about him he had a whole personal life he was going out on dates he was going to the club he was he had a whole girlfriend at one point i know y'all have seen a new ted bundy movie he was literally getting his bachelor's before he decided he to start just going on with his dark passenger. Literally. Shout out to Dexter fans. Sitting just in library studying like any normal student, going to clubs, partying with people. That's how he usually got the women. But it's like I said, it's really uncommon. Um, it isn't uncommon amongst serial killers because of the charm that they have. Now, no Girl. one has really said anything about Samuel's charm, but obviously it's there if you're luring all these beautiful women into alleys saying that you can draw them because they're beautiful, you know? And you love them, which I hate to say it, but going into the victimology just a little bit more, yeah. a lot of these women on the streets have never heard that. Exactly. They've never felt that. And so to have somebody just genuinely come up to you and say that you're beautiful, I want to draw you. I... I actually love you. You may you think, okay, news, you know, right? Like you may think, okay, this 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 nigga a little off his rock. Like it's kind of cute. Like it's kind of cute. I'll see what he's talking about. Because you know, unfortunately, as women, we're still gonna believe in fairy tales. It's it fucks you up quite a bit. But that small part of you, even when you're the most jaded person, still believes an inkling that a fairy tale exists somewhere even if it's not for you you still believe that it's somewhere so the fact that you have really targeted these very vulnerable women says a lot but hell the killer clown had a whole fucking family he was married and he was raping boys and he had sons. right like and would never think of it 
so well. It's it's very well. And just it's to go so back well on well. like having the whole girlfriend thing, he had his own long term girlfriend called her name was Jean, and she's now died unfortunately. Don't know how she died, but yeah, we don't have a lot of information on that either, guys. I'm sorry. But anywho, and she supported them. Not only did she support her man. <laughs> period because i'm gonna stand by my man and it don't matter not only did she support her man she supported her man by shoplifting 30 35 years for years for years she supported herself and this man for years by making a career of shoplifting i'm sorry (laughs) they say it was during his 35 year killing spree we son of a bitch well, we don't really know when they met, um, but we just know that she is now deceased, but was definitely taking care of him. Um, they both actually shoplifted, but she obviously was good at it. You know, I because mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously she didn't get fucking caught <laughs> this whole time. So. <laughs> it's also not known if she helped with the murders or if she knew about them. That is true. I would like to speculate that she knew, but did not help. I would, right. I would say she knew, especially if you're continually taking care of him after he is in jail and stuff like that. But who knows? Old girl Ted Bundy's little girlfriend didn't know that he was killing people. He had killed like five people when they was in the relationship. So, you know. She didn't, but she did speculate. She did speculate. And she is the reason why the investigation started on him specifically. Anywho. But... Yep, and that's when he actually told her that he he did it. But you never know. You know, you never know if she actually was involved or if she was one of those women that was like, I have a man, so I'm going to look the other way. Or maybe I have speculation, but I'm not going to say anything. Maybe I'm tripping. Let's not throw a good thing away. We don't know. We don't know much about Jean, which would be really interesting to learn. But unfortunately, she has died. So we don't we know if she has family. also don't really know much <laughs> about his behavior, but what I could say and speculate that from his, fuck Taylor, from his violent behavior, I could actually even speculate that she probably didn't know, but he was abusive. True. And if he was abusive, she's not saying anything. She's not going to sing like a canary. She's not going to do anything because okay. she's afraid that she's going to be one of those victims. That's exactly. just a... Let's remember a, now, he got arrested for rape and assault on many different occasions see baby it's the rape and assault for me how the fuck you do three months for rape but then do three years for shoplifting is beyond fucking me another thing about how they do not care about women at all i just side note doesn't have anything to do with serial killers we need to uproot this entire system period this is true. all Very foundation true. everything all uproot that bitch and start from the beginning and let's not start by wanting to patrol black people because that's how the justice system started just letting you guys know that's how police in forces in america excuse me in america slave patrol if you did not know that you don't care at this point. I said what I said. So, anyways, if you do know that you don't. Uh, mother fuck me. If you do, <laughs> keep it in the microphone. I said that. If you do know, um, you just don't fucking care because you still supporting people like, oh, they have reformed. They've done this. No bitches. They use us for target practice. Literally, Literally. not just us physically. But if you see their target practice fucking sheets and it's pictures of fucking like, uh, what are they called? Criminals? Keep on there. And they're 95% more likely to shoot a black man than they are to shoot a white person. And that's just in target practice. Let's not even talk about on these motherfucking streets. Mm. And if anybody got a problem, you can go ahead and at me, Twitter, Instagram, Shit, you can add me on Facebook. You ain't got to add me, bitch. I'm public. If you have a problem and you want to argue with me, I got the time, the patience, the money, whatever. Fuck it. I'm ready for war. Just know that we support no other matter but Black Lives Matter, defunding the police, all that jazz. Um, Because like we said, 
especially the police, um, they were literally created in America to patrol us once we were freed. So I will say we do support other causes, but it's usually for minorities. Yeah. So don't get it twisted over here, Playboy. Even though this man and other serial killers need to rot in jail, we also don't support jail. It's very conflicting. We'll get to that later. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say a whole episode on prison reform and how things really should be handled is a whole nother can of worms to open up. But I say it should be more restorative justice than punitive. Moving forward. Sorry. (laughs) But um, so back to Little. Actually, because how the fuck can you expect somebody to be in jail for like three to four, five, six, seven years? You don't even put them in a halfway house. You don't even prepare them for the outside world just so they can stay institutionalized in the mind. So then what happens is when they get back outside and try to live a normal life, they don't fucking know how to do it. And so what do they do? Go back to a life of crime. Right. And then what do they do? Go back to fucking legal slavery. Because what people forget is that jail is supposed to be a rehabilitation center. It is the opposite. It is. It, is. The, it was actually it, supposed to be for restorative justice. Right. It's supposed to be for rehabilitative. It's not. It's not. It's it not. Anywho, going back to little and some small give you like I think it's like two or three more facts until we're done with little. Okay. Oh Lord! So the prison commentary was necessary. I'm not gonna right lie. period because I I need y'all to know <laughs> that just because we believe that serial killers there's only two people. This is another rant. Sorry guys, there's only two types of criminals that I think really deserve to be in jail or deserve some type of punishment that is equivalent to jail for the rest of their lives. That serial killers and child molesters or rapists. Period. I was gonna say, I say rapist, period. And most You're of these serial killers are also rapists, too. So they all need to fucking go. You're People that murder niggas for sport, they gotta go. You're disgusting. You need to be under the foundation of a building. Despicable. Those are the only two people that deserve to be any in any type of facility for the rest of their lives. Everybody else, no. But we're not gonna go into that. We have the inherent belief that people can change, but you have to be willing to give them that chance to change. The reason why serial killers- You also have to stop indicting people. literally wired like that. You also have to stop indicting people and throwing people in jail that aren't supposed to be there in the first place. And you know that, but just because they're black- You need to do your motherfucking research on a state case before you even try to convict somebody. But it's whatever. Anywho. The whole system needs an uprooting, and that's the reason why I study criminal justice and the reason why I want to work in criminal justice because you got to work from the inside out. And no, you we don't believe that the police reform is a thing. We don't think that the justice and reform is a thing. No, there's no such thing as reforming that atrocious, hellish system. It needs to it be uprooted. I say we start over. The revolution will not be televised. Anyhow, back to these small little facts. We got like two more facts for you, and then we'll be done with it. <laughs> so, it's unknown apparently um, when his girlfriend was no longer in the picture. We don't know if she stayed throughout the time he was in jail or what. We just know that she is now deceased. And when she's no longer in the picture, and he used to, he's. We just know she's no longer in the picture before death. So. We actually don't even know actually, if she was even... alive when he got indicted for these murders. Exactly. We so know that he's we that don't even gone. know how she died. So she could be one of the murders unsolved, honestly. A point. But you know, just it's know about... he had a girlfriend. He had a whole social life. He didn't miss out on life killing these people. He didn't lose sleep at night. Okay. He slept anything, very well. He probably had masturbated dreams he slept very well the nigga was happy so towards the end of his life or towards yeah towards the end of his life he used a wheelchair and had diabetes and they had a heart condition so you know karma's a bitch it kind of just started to hit him all at once and so he died on december 30th 2020 y'all let the nigga live that long the nigga survived the pandemic and die (laughs) He really fucking did, though. He didn't <laughs> die of coronavirus. He died of a heart attack, I think. 
they really don't they all they say that it's what inconclusive technically because they have no final determination of his death but like the nigga had diabetes and a heart condition I'm pretty sure he died from it. But <laughs> and I wouldn't be mad if somebody killed him in, in jail. Did early on. But anyways, period. So like I said, he died in on December 30th, 2020, in a Los Angeles County area hospital. And although California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation uh sources indicate no final determination as to the specific cause of death. He suffered from the diabetes, heart problems, and other health conditions that have not been recorded or made public. So he had a lot of the fact he had a lot of conditions. He had a lot going on with his health. The fact that he was in a wheelchair says a lot. Right. So karma's a bitch. It definitely attacked him. Don't know if he died slowly. Um I hope so. But I hope fucking so. I hope he died and came back to life. And then died and came back to life again, like he did the the victim. That's what I really hope for. So that is our little I profile apologize. on the most prolific American serial killer. That is Yo, how wild is that? That it is a black man. I mean, this nope, I'm not gonna say that. Um, we already got Jack the Ripper, but let me say this too. Well, he was um, he wasn't in America though. Yeah, no, that's why I said England has Jack. Yeah, the I was Ripper. like, what in America? Um, the real, the biggest reason why he is the most prolific is because he was able to get away with so many murders. People care about little white girls gone missing. They care about little blondes and little brunettes and little redheads gone missing. I'll tell you That's one why thing. why they may only have like 20 to 30 at a max. But 60-something, 93-something minority women going away? Let's... And they're prostitutes and they're drugs? It's no way of life. It's normal. She just kill themselves every day. And let's emphasize care. again. Care. He has been connected to 93 murders. And while they're like, oh, well, it's kind of inconclusive if he's done all 93. Fifth, what was it? 56 or? Uh, 50. How much was it? Two? 52. That's more than half. So he probably did the rest. I apologize, 50, but it is still more than it's half. It's more than half. He probably did the rest of them. He probably did the rest of the 43. He plus some. likely did do the rest Most of the likely he 43. did 40, the rest of the 43 plus some, honestly. Wild. We don't Fucking know wild. who he killed as a teenager. And nine times out of 10, part of that record is expunged. They like exactly the on the first couple of tries. We don't know what he did in up. that juvenile center. Do you think they care about them children dying in the juvenile center? No. Let me answer that question for you because I definitely did get to go to a juvenile detention center and I got to shadow. No. They don't they care. Fucking, okay. The most that they do is just basically fuss at them like they somebody mama. But they literally, oh Jesus, they literally make sure they go to school but their education system actually kind of fucking sucks but. because it really doesn't go and equate back to school and so a lot of times outdated. when these kids go this is also true every time these kids go back into school after having a stint in juvie what happens they have to do some type of online learning or something to actually catch themselves up because they're so behind because the piss poor fucking system that they give these kids really is just promoting the prison to pipe i mean the school to pipeline prison system i'm sorry guys which is also connected to black and brown children it is egregious. Like the amount of anger that I have built up about this really pisses me the fuck off. And that is exactly why I studied criminal justice and why I studied psychology and why I'm going to school for counseling and for forensic psychology, because these are all important fucking things. If we ourselves can help in our community and be a fucking village again, we really can prevent a lot of these things from happening and save our babies because they don't give a fuck about us. They never fucking have. The fact that you wake up every day as a black woman and realize that your life has no value in society, that shit will wear you the fuck down if you let it. Nobody has the same existence as a black woman because we are the most, most disrespected. Like it's, it's, it's beyond me. There are some days, y'all, I hate to admit it, but I really do feel like, why did you make me like this? 
why did you make me black why did you make me a woman why do i have to go through all of this why am i arguing with my own brothers and why can't we love each other why is black love so fucking hard to have that is real this type of shit bothers me on a daily basis but i swear to you guys i thank god that he put me in this position i thank god every day i thank my ancestors every day for creating a fucking fighter. And I'm so thankful that they blessed me with this person that I love so fucking much because he really is a true gem, like a true gem. And I don't want to be If I didn't have that black, like I didn't have, like the the black experience is unmatched, period. Like why would I want to be anything? Why would I want to be anything else? Uh I get sad sometimes when I see the news, which is actually part of this mental health segment. I said I was going to do one, but I'm going to go ahead and do a brief one. (laughs) So we're just gonna go ahead and roll right into it and we're talking about it and i'm kind don't of don't watch the news podcast. and it sounds crazy but don't do it don't don't do, do it. not subject yourself to watching the news if you're gonna read news articles do not subject yourself to watching the videos of them gunning down our boys do our daughters our wives our our husbands like no don't do it don't do it to yourself. It will fuck you up in the head every fucking day. I promise you, because you will wake up and you will be worried about every single person in your life. You will really like think like, when is my boyfriend going to get pulled over? When is my little brother going to be caught playing outside and having a good fucking time and somebody rolls by and some fucking Karen says he's making too much noise and then he gets fucking shot? Exactly. When is that going to happen? Nobody should live like that. Nobody should have that fucking fear. Nobody should ever have to have that fucking talk with their kids. If you are a white person and you're listening to this fucking podcast, I want you to fucking understand something. Your privilege means that you do not have to walk in fear every goddamn day. At all. You don't. You don't ever have to fear that somebody is against you, that somebody is plotting against you on a daily basis, that a system that was never designed for you is continuously trying to put you back in the same fucking place as 1860 fucking five and beyond, like before. Like, be real with yourselves here. You say you don't have privilege because you grew up poor too. All black people aren't fucking poor, you uncultured swine, You're okay? Not. There are people that actually grew up middle class, upper middle class. I was blessed to not grow up poor. So the fact that you could say, I didn't have privilege because I grew up poor. All black people didn't fucking grow up poor. And you growing up poor does not equate you to being or having a similar experience to the black people, because I can fucking guarantee you this, your poor ass will get so many fucking chances before they shoot your ass when you've got guns drawn at them. Meanwhile, I could be holding a goddamn pencil and I get and shot because they seared for their life. I also get shot in the head, the chest. Kill shots. Because let's, let's remember. Okay. In the back. Let's okay. remember that when you go to the police academy, they teach you kill shots and they also teach you warning shots. They also teach you where you can hit fit like fist fights or gun wise where you won't kill someone. So they know how to not kill someone. They know how to disable someone to prevent loss. You know who gets disabled? Angry little white kids who like to shoot up the schools and have AR fucking 15s and walk out and get to go to fucking Burger King before they go to their jail cell and get booked. Them. Um, And again, if you're angry, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. And I will tell you why, because it is literally my reality and on a daily basis that we see. And what also bothers me, you don't have the right to tell any fucking black person that their experiences are invalid. You have no fucking right because you are not one of us and you have never felt that shit. Until you, so you feel that shit, that is one thing you can never, never take from us. I don't care what anyone says. Let me tell you one thing before we move on to our black businesses. Taylor has our gentleman tell some segment. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Just stop watching the fucking news. We you'll, you'll go crazy. Let me, let me tell you something real quick. And this is a PSA to all of America. We are our ancestors. Okay. Don't try it. They're wildest dreams, baby. We are not even the wildest dreams where people's like, oh, I'm not my ancestors. I'll beat you the fuck up. We are our ancestors. And we have we have more tools. Let's let's remember. We are our ancestors and we have more tools to beat you the fuck up. 
That's why I said they're wildest dreams because they didn't have what we had and they were still able to whoop your ass. Don't we got more? I shit. need you guys to you. remember as a whole that half of y'all, this city, this country hasn't burned to the ground because we're nice. Sadly. And that's it. Fucking sadly. It's not At because it's not because, oh, we're ignorant. It's not because we don't know how to form. It's not because we're so violent that you guys take care of us in the justice system. No, the only reason why this country hasn't burned to a motherfucking crisp is because of us. Remember that. And you know what really, really gets me about that? Let's remember that. That's a PSA to my fellow Black people because we have to stop being so goddamn forgiving. These people have shown us their true colors time and time and time. And everybody ain't invited to the cookout. And time again. And what do we do? We forgive them. We turn the other fucking cheek. We allow them to not invite us into their spaces. Stop inviting them into our spaces. Everyone, like she said, is not allowed to the fucking cookout. Everybody can't come and chill in their granddaddy's house. Everybody can't do a lot of that shit. Unless you're really down for their cause. Select no, you. you're not fucking invited until you can realize that your privilege puts you in a different place than us and that you are willing to fight so that we no longer have to deal with white privilege and that everybody is on an equal playing field. No, you can't come to the fucking cookout. No, I'm not going to teach you how to season your fucking unseasoned white ass chicken. Fuck you. Also, just because your children are black does not mean that you are not racist. Oh, my God today just because you fucked a black man and got his sperm for breeding does not mean you're not racist want to know why because that's what the fuck slave masters wives did that's how so we also we'll got talk more slavers. about this we'll we'll make a full episode girl, if you guys want talk. to hear more about us talking about this we will make a full episode about all this and the misconceptions now, granted, we don't have personal experience with this because we are all blackity black, black, black. Okay, so I might have a few. It depends. I do have a few when um, it comes to friendships. Oh, friendships, yes, and being around. Please, we li- we lived in Alabama. Well, she still I've lives. been in Oreo all of my life. She still lives in Alabama. I have been. I don't think I've. I won't say I've been the token black person. I mean, visually, yes, but I've never personality-wise have been the token black person i mean technically actually i have but i have always been the token black person because i am a quote-unquote oreo and i talk just like one of you guys and i'm really just like one of y'all bitch fuck you and your unseasoned ass skin i don't want to be like one of you guys i don't want fucking sunburn every goddamn time i walk outside and i don't want wispy ass hairs that as soon as i get oily i look like a wet fucking dog I'm good, bitch. I'm happy where I'm at. Thanks. Like we said, we'll have a full episode about this. Um, we can't promise. You may have to, to be cut out nicer. my anger. I'm sorry. We can't promise to be nicer if we have a full episode about this, but we can talk about our experiences. Like we said, this podcast is about our black ass experience in America. So we'll have an episode about this later. But to round about this episode, my anger. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Black Business of the Week, which has something to do with trying to do some good in this horrible justice system. So our people not only have to be uh, re-educated to the importance of supporting Black business, but the Black man himself has to be uh, made aware of the importance of going into business. And once you and I go into business, we own and operate at least the businesses in our community, what we will be doing is developing a situation wherein we will actually be able to create employment for the people. So we actually have two Black businesses because I found another one that also helps with Black inmates. So the first one is called Pigeonly. It was founded by Frederick Hudson, who is an Air Force veteran and a farm, formerly incarcerated nonviolent felon. It was because of drugs. Um, nonviolent, but he in there for years. I, he was in there. Okay. He served three years, if I'm not mistaken. And so while he was in jail, he thought of this idea of how inmates can get in contact and be in better contact 
with individuals in the outside world because it gets very taxing being in jail and not able to communicate with your loved ones or with people, attorneys, and so on, so so all that important parties, basically, just so that you can get out or feel some type of remnants of being a human being because they don't treat them like human beings in jail at all. Period. It's it's ridiculous. So, like I said, this business is called Pigeonly. It was founded by Frederick Hudson. So what this business does is users can upload photos and letters from their mobile device and Pigeonly will print and ship them in a way that meets prison's mailing regulations. So families can design personalized postcards and greeting cards in the app to be printed and sent. And inmates can stay up to date reading articles when loved ones paste a URL in the app. And so one core technology of Pigeonly involves uploading millions of public records so that loved ones can identify and track inmates. And so Frederick Hudson talked about this, um, a reason why he also added this service to his, um, to his website is because most of the time they are moving inmates without letting the family know, without even letting their attorneys know where they're moving them to. So it takes them forever. It's adding more time, it's adding more stress, trying to find the family members that are in jail that are just being transported. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Frederick Hudson, he served them three years. I believe he said he was moved to six different jails within that three-year sentence. And it was very difficult for him to get in contact with anyone. So he came up with this technology as well so that you can identify and track inmates. And so their inmate search and locator feature is not only being used by families, but like I said, but also by attorneys who need to keep track of their clients because the system likes to move around and play with people's lives and time. And they do not notify people when they move them. So that's another great service that they provide on Pigeonly. And not only is he providing services to inmates and their family members and their attorneys, half of his 45 employees at Pigeonly are from executives to customer service representatives have criminal records as well. So he's also giving back to those people that have gotten out of jail to give them a chance at having a life outside. So everybody, please, please, please support Pigeonly if you know anyone that is in jail or have family members that are in jail or anything of that nature, definitely let them know about Pigeonly. You can find more about Pigeonly on the link that we keep in the description box. And I also have attached an article that Verizon did on his business that gives you a little bit more insight on what I said. And he also mentioned in this Verizon article about the next company I'm talking about, which is called R3 Score. It was made by Lauren Leonard, or well, she is the CEO. Lauren Leonard is the CEO, also black owned. She and R3 Score uses a sophisticated algorithm that includes many data points to create an accurate real-time risk assessment for each person. So they provide nuanced reports instead of simply labeling a background history as good or bad. So this is an algorithm and a system that helps with background checks when uh, certain inmates and when they're looking for a job, when they're looking for a house, when they're looking to rent, things of that nature, most of the time, the usual background checks will just label you good or bad. You're an inmate and then you're completely written off. The algorithm that she's created or that she's CEO of, it helps making that decision and the decision makers can draw from a multifaceted report that allows someone with a criminal history to be seen for who they are today and not what they have misdone in the past. So both, both static and trending activities are taken into account and to create a realistic assessment. So this algorithm is not beautifying this person's records. It's just simply gathering the records so that you can see the entirety of that human being rather than the mistake that they made and helps them further along in their, um, in their life. So use the algorithm to create a more accurate assessment for previously incarcerated individuals who are looking for jobs, looking for housing assistance and anything of that nature. And the reason why Lauren Leonard actually um, it has a part in this company is she's seen firsthand how being in jail can definitely like hinder you when you come out because her mother was arrested when she was younger. So I'm also gonna leave the, the link to R3 score in our description box below. Definitely go check them out. If you are a part of staffing of any kind, definitely look into using this algorithm. This algorithm gives everyone a better chance of having a better life regardless of their mistakes.
And that is all for the Black Christmases. Um, I guess, so what's up next with us? That's all oh, for one. That's the end of the episode, guys. Hope you liked our rants. Hope you liked the information. If you definitely like learning more about um, true crime, whether that's serial killers, unsolved murders, children going missing, any of that nature, let us know. We're really into this. Very much so. <laughs> this is this is really one of those like passion projects or like passion hobbies that we have is watching documentaries, watching movies, listening to um, podcasts. Like we don't just watch Criminal Minds just, you know, to watch it. We don't just watch it for you just to watch it. Like this is actually interesting to us, which is a little concerning, but still. Um, so let us know if you really like this and we'll definitely continue it it's really cool we could even get into the more creepier ones of like disappearances and stuff of that nature I think is a good thing Um, to do because we definitely want to get into things that are like happening right now too like we have some disappearances that have happened lately of children so we definitely want to like talk about those um as well get all the information we can and if if they're still you know missing at the time of the, the podcast um, definitely get it out there so people can actually be on the lookout for um, these people, uh, um, you know, just to stay up to date um, because our babies, our women, our men, they are our future and they are incredibly exactly. important. Um, we need them. We need you guys. And using platforms like this, sometimes it actually, there are, there are big super sleuths groups out online there are. and so using our platform to even make light of information that we have it provides information for more peoples and sometimes there are people that have disappeared and have been found based on people talking about it in podcasts and people talking about it in documentaries and on blogs and, like and on blogs and things of that nature the internet so, is a powerful tool if you let it be one it really is it's kind of scary um but <laughs> Uh, so definitely let us know if you enjoy these or people that you want us to speak about that maybe we don't know about like we said we're trying to definitely hone in on people specifically black people but it's okay if they're not black um of criminals or anything of that nature that haven't been discussed as highly as like the ted bundy's the john wayne gacy's you know the the um the Ripper, you know. The Jeffrey Dahmer. Which, which actually, those are the ones that really intrigue me the most. Right. I don't know why cannibalism can does, into, does. We can actually get into, like, certain ones, like, even overseas, like I said, the Ripper and stuff like that, because those also have other connotations of the supernatural that I'm really into. If you guys don't know me, I'm really big into supernatural, the show, and the topics. So... <laughs> me over here i enjoy the witchery <laughs> of things yes right. i do believe so, in god but god is the creator of all things we will definitely go more into any of that but for now that is it for this episode um thank you for tuning in this week thank you for sticking by us because we know it's been a minute and we are going to be more consistent this is the beginning of a consistent run She's also saying that to us as yes, as well as you because yeah, Uh, (laughs) but definitely let us know what more you're interested in. Doesn't have to be connected to true crime at all. Just any type of topic you want us to listen to, you can definitely let us know within our inbox on social media um, accounts and our Gmail account or our personal accounts. Just let us know. And we'll definitely take those into account too. Um, Your girl hit us up. Yeah. And you can find all our information. It'll be in the description box below. So don't worry about that. And yeah. (laughs) I think that's pretty much it. Um, Tune in next week for your regularly scheduled shenanigans. We'll do a lighter topic next week just because I know this is pretty dark. But we do feel like it is important to educate people on the matter. Um, even though it is somebody who just passed away, I think it's really important just to study this person's behavior so that you can actually look for it in other people, not really look for it in other people, but these are things that be you wary. will be wary of. Yes, you will <laughs> notice and you'll be like, there's something off. This is literally literally how we can keep people safe by Stay educating ourselves. And we're not about to keep giving people excuses for their piss poor behavior either, but that's another topic for another motherfucking day. Yeah. Either way, 
like she said, let us know what you're interested in hearing on this using on our social media in our on our gmails if you find us personally you can do that too um remember that you can listen to us on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and amazon music slash audible we are currently in the works with something for pandora i got an email about that the other yeah. day so i'm kind of excited about it so just kind of going on i hope you guys have a really really great west west rest of your week um <laughs> Stay black, stay beautiful. You are made of honey, gold, and just a little bit of gold. Bye, guys. Vitamin melanin is not advised for people who don't believe the justice system as a whole should be redone down to their foundation. Side effects may include guessing the killer on a show, movie, TV show before the end, thinking of medieval ways of punishment for certain criminals, believing you can get away with murder, being fascinated with the psychology of serial killers, but not broadcasting because you know you will get side-eyed. Taking criminal justice classes as electives in school. Still being shocked that serial killers are black, then more intrigued. Looking for ways to be involved in criminal justice or just the defunding of the system. If these symptoms persist, try not to kill someone and just watch it out.